Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions, to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the Deal Quest podcast. Let's get started. DealQuest community, I come in every year and at the end of the year, sometimes mid-year, we'll do these recaps of what's going on in the, in the deal market based upon our experience because we do so many deals, what we're hearing from other people in the marketplace, and also you know, what is reported in some of the press. So uh, I'm recording this in July. Uh, I think it'll, it'll get released either later this month or maybe early August. But we're going to look back at the first six months of 2023 and particularly what's what's been happening in the last quarter, because, you know, for a while we've been talking generally about how there are these different factors, right, that are affecting the deal market. There's, you know, in various industries, including the financial services space, where everybody who listens to this podcast knows we do a lot of deals. There are medium and long-term trends that are very, very positive, especially in the wealth management space. Obviously, tech, there's a lot of innovation still going on there. And, you know, that it runs in cycles, but there's always huge opportunities in tech, which is another sector that we we have a lot of clients in. And frankly, you know, we've done deals in you name an industry. And obviously, the things we're going to talk about, you have to look industry by industry, geography by geography. You know, there's no single deal market, but there are trends that generally apply across most sectors in most places. And, you know, it's interesting to look at them and at least be informed by them and, you know, understand a little bit what's going on right now. So there's a few things that were recently in the press. For example, there were some articles about uh, PitchBook, which came out with some new data. They do they do data on the venture capital funding. And in the second quarter of 2023, they recorded about 3,000 deals that were booked, which is down about a third from a year earlier. So second quarter 2022, the deals were one third, you know, higher than they are uh, here in, in, than they were in 2023 second quarter. And also the amount of investment was down about half. So not only is the deal volume down, but the investment amounts obviously are going down as well. The biggest drop they say was in angel and seed deals. The companies in early stages. And that's not surprising in markets where cost of capital has gone up, where the risk analysis of investors in an uncertain economy. I mean, it's very interesting with this economy. I mean, you know, there are people who feel like it's going very well. There are people who say we're in a recession. There are people who say maybe we're heading towards a recession. It's 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 sort of a very mixed view of exactly where we're at overall. And I think it depends upon what you're looking at and where you're at and how it's affecting your industry. But in any case, you know, it's certainly an uncertain market, some challenges. And, you know, in those kind of markets, the riskier deals, the earliest stage deals are the ones that where the money pulls back from first, right? You know, there's there's a move 
of money to you know quality deals. And I don't want to say the early stage deals aren't quality deals. They're, they're just riskier deals. So that you know, so let's say you know deals that have maybe a higher opportunity of return, a little more level of, of certainty, certainly not the word in the venture capital market because most fail anyway, but you know, a high level of chance of success, at least, you know, some more proven track record and things like that. So that's not shocking in this market. They they also cite that globally venture capital funding was down 48% in the first six months of the year. And that's according to Reuters, which attributes mainly to two factors. One is higher interest rates, right? Cost of capital, we all know that that's been a significant factor as the Fed has pushed up interest rates significantly. Again, I when I say this, I always try to put it in perspective because historically, interest rates are not unusually high right now. They're kind of, you know, in the middle uh, of where they've been historically, but it's just that interest rates were so artificially low for so long, and then they were pushed up so quickly that, you know, deals have, to, things have to be re-underwritten, repriced, and you know the market hasn't fully adjusted yet. So higher interest rates is one factor, and the other one is an IPO drought. And you know we've had some not clients because we don't do IPO work um, really, but 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 we know of people in some various industries, companies in some various industries that have considered going public and have pushed it off or even filed and then pulled it. So yeah, there's definitely a drop in the IPO market. Now they maybe not shockingly for anybody who is you know breathing practically, but they say the one bright spot for invest you know is one sector which is AI where forty billion dollars was were poured into AI startups over, over the last six months over the you know first six months of the of the year again with the popularity of things like ChatGPT and it becoming a mainstream conversation about AI. I know an entrepreneurs organization where. Many of you know I've been a member for a long, long time, and you know it's a worldwide organization of entrepreneurs at a certain revenue level. There's you know AI groups on all of our chats. There's all kinds of stuff. People are talking about it. So obviously that's a hot sector, and 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 that's an example of where even if things are going in a certain direction in the overall market, like for example on the investment side, right in in, in venture capital funding, that any given sector could be very countercyclical, and certainly. AI is the hot one, you know, the biggest hot one now. So that's, you know, that's where a lot of a lot of money is going. And in those sectors, obviously, because it is so new, you know, I said earlier about there being a pullback largely on the on the seed and early stage side. That's not clearly not as true and or not true in the AI sector because almost everything there is in in seed. I'm, I'm exaggerating slightly, but but for the most part, they're relatively early stage. There aren't that many established companies in the AI space. So that's definitely a, a countercyclical thing. So that's that's some information on the VC side. Let's talk a little bit about the M&A side. So uh, there was another interesting article on that talked about global mergers and acquisitions in the second quarter. And uh, this came out of Reuters. It was reported in Reuters. And M&A activity globally fell 36% year on year in the second quarter. So again, comparing Q2 2023 to Q2 2022. So, you know, that's a pretty significant drop, not as significant as the drop in, in VC investing overall, but, but you know, 36% is a real amount. The total value of M&A fell to, they say, 732, $733 billion in the second quarter from $1.14 trillion in the second quarter of 2022. So, you know, that's, that's a drop. That seems to be, I, mean, I haven't done the math exactly, but that seems to be roughly in the same 36% range as the uh, amount of deal volume. So unlike in the 
VC space where there was a drop in investment that was higher than the drop in deal volume. So investment levels went down. It seems like deal sizes are, are staying relatively the same, that just the volume has dropped. And, you know, again, keep in mind, we're talking about global M&A that's tracked. And, and you know, uh, a lot of times the smaller deals don't get picked up in these kind of statistics, right? They, they focus on the bigger deals, public company and large private company deals. They also got s- some input from investment bankers and lawyers in terms of, you know, what they see going forward in that area. One of the things they reported on was that they say that investment bankers and lawyers expressed optimism that the stock market recovery would gradually restore, you know, chief executives deal-making confidence. And, you know, it makes sense. I mean, the market seems to maybe be, you know, getting a little stronger after a lot of uncertainty recently. And, you know, certainly on the uh, on the public company side, and listen, whatever happens on the public company side, even though the, the private large company, private middle market, and certainly private smaller to medium-sized deals and, and Main Street deals don't track exactly the level of confidence and 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 things does you know does flow down, right? It, you know, it is instructive in some ways. So there, there seems to be some optimism there with the hopefully the market firming up. Also the investment bankers and lawyers that were interviewed said that there's a more challenging environment for leverage buyouts, making acquisitions difficult for private equity firms. And that makes sense as well, because leverage buyouts are leverage, right? They're done with a lot of debt, which means that, you know, the cost of capital makes a difference in those kind of kind of deals. Private equity-led buyout volumes uh, slumped uh, 59% year on year. So that's you know, for the first half of 23 versus 2022. In the second quarter, sponsor-led buyout volumes fell 56%. You know, so these are significant uh, numbers. And, you know, for a while there, we were saying, even when the economy was a little shaky last year, that there was so much money that needed to be deployed that deals were still happening. And that was true then, but now things have definitely, you know, slowed down. And despite the fact that there's still capital out there, it's being much more judiciously allocated. And, you know, I've also at least heard anecdotally, I haven't seen statistics on it yet, uh, but I've heard at least anecdotally that some folks are not, you know, rushing to or, I have a little more challenge in raising new funds. So while as they still have capital maybe to deploy in uh, the existing funds as those are closing out, they may not, you know, be raising as much or as, you know, as quickly in in in, in a new fund. So, uh, you know, there's also a little bit of a discussion on valuation adjustments, right? And, you know, sort of like having the market adjust and accept for that, which makes sense. And I've talked about that before. They also raised, you know, whether the the regional banking crisis, the issues with some of the regional banks uh, that came up in the last, you know, six months have, have adversely affected. And it's not been significant, but there are potentially some ripple effects on, you know, broader credit availability that may may affect that. Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to a new way to determine your deal readiness. I created a fast and easy assessment that will determine exactly how deal ready you are. Once you complete the assessment, I use your responses to identify the obstacles that are holding you back from being a deal-driven growth genius. It's as easy as heading to coreycupfer.com slash assessment. That's coreycupfer.com slash assessment and filling out a few multiple choice questions. I'll be checking in after the episode to see what your results are. Now back to the show. The other thing that's interesting that they raised here is that there's there's really been no mega deals like you know in in the transactions of 25 billion and above and there haven't been you know as as many of those so obviously you know those big top end deals pump up the stats and has been fewer 
There's also uh, less credit available to the middle market, which again is not surprising, and to commercial real estate, which you know is often heavily funded by these types of investments and funds, and and you know th- th- that has been affected. Interestingly, I spoke to somebody recently, and again, this is one person. I mean, they're a real estate professional in California in the LA area, so they weren't only talking about their their personal experience, but that you know, what they think the market is there. And I've heard similar things that. They said the commercial real estate market in the LA area overall is down about 40%. I haven't confirmed those stats, but that's what I heard from one of my real estate connections here in the LA area. Uh, and that's on the commercial side. Residential is a different conversation out here in LA, especially where we are by the water. But that's a different conversation. But but the commercial market is down. In fact, this particular guy picked up a warehouse at 50% off of what it was valued previously and thinks in the long run, that's going to be a great investment. So that raises the other thing that I've you know repeatedly said is that you know some of the best deals turn out to be deals that are done in, in these kind of down markets. Obviously, it, they may be more difficult to finance, but if you have access to capital or have your own capital you know available, there are things are on sale, so to speak. And the, you know there, there's always good opportunities that people take advantage of of there. So that's this most of what I saw in this Reuters article and some thinking about around that. Interestingly, in the wealth management space and the RA space, which you all know we, we do a bunch in, Fidelity came out with a report recently on RIA valuations. Now, this is an interesting report because it's, it's a lot different comparison, actually, than what we've been talking about here. In most of the other areas, I was comparing the first six months or the, or the second quarter of, of this year to the second quarter of 2022. Fidelity did a study that compared the 2017 to 2019 three-year period with the 2020 to 23 period. And not surprisingly, because, I mean, boy, this particular area has just so, you know, the volume of deals, the valuations, you know, everything has gone up just because the market is so maturing and because of the number of private equity firms that have come in in that period right? Post-2019, or maybe they were late, you know, in that three-year period, but certainly into 20 to 23 here. And some of the stats they, you know, they've given there are that, so median EBITDA multiples for firms increased from seven times EBITDA to nine times EBITDA. So that's median. We did deals as high as 14 and a half times EBITDA at the end of last year. So these are multi-billion dollar firms or, or actually a billion plus, it's called a billion and a half plus. We're seeing numbers more in the 11, 12 times, you know, EBITDA for those kind of firms these days. And the 14 and a half was a pretty top dollar deal. You know, we had other ones that weren't as high last year, you know, and then in the smaller firms. Yeah. I mean, maybe we're seeing the, the sevens go up to nines or the, you know, the real small firms, the sixes, five or six goes, it goes up to seven or eights. What they, the view is that we sort of hit a, hit a plateau on valuation. I, I think that's certainly the case and it's, and it, we've seen it dip down. And, you know, there's a couple of factors that go into these deals. It's obviously the valuation like anything else, right? The multiple, but then it's also what it's based upon. And obviously with the with the, with the stock market being down, the fact that advisors make um, their money on a percent, mainly on a percentage of assets in the management. So when the market's down, their revenue is down. So you have a lower multiple on a lower base. So your purchase prices have come down. Although in many of these deals, there's earnouts and similar provisions that it will allow a lot of these advisors to, to catch up and make that additional money if the market does come back. In terms of deal volume, it's really interesting in this space on those the comparison of those years. 
Fidelity is reporting on 146 deals during the 2017 to 2019 period, whereas they counted 492 reported transactions in this three-year period, 20 to 23. And again, these are reported transactions. Not every deal gets reported, but you know you can just get it. Just the nature of the difference, right? We're talking about almost three times the amount of deals, the number of deals. So, the also the median assets and the management of the acquired firms increased from 250 million to 400 million. And again, you know we do a lot of our deals. We we certainly do tuck-in deals at that size, the smallest size. The reason that's skewed down, remember, that's not an average, that's a median. So that includes, you know, a number of the small books of business kind of sales, and then bigger deals that we've done where clients are doing anywhere from 10 million to 100 million in purchase price. You know, those deals skew the median up, but because there's a lot of smaller deals, obviously, you know, the, the, the number is more than the 400 million now range now, but there's a lot of a lot of deals that are that are higher than that for the firms we represent. Certainly, they also did a survey of serial acquirers, and they were showing them involved in nearly 500. So, so about 75 percent of all the transactions. So I'm not quite sure of the math because they're reporting on 492 reported transactions in the, I think in the three years, less than three years. They're they're reporting on the January 20 to March 2023 period. So you got. 2021, 22, it's a little over three years, actually. So in that period, there are nearly 500 deals that about 75% of transactions being done by the serial acquirers. That's no surprise. There was a point at which we reported, I don't know, maybe about a year ago, six months ago, that DeVoe, one of the best bankers in the space, was reporting that close to 90% of transactions were being done by the serial acquirers. I've seen those come down a little bit just because other people are getting into the market and the serial acquirers have slowed down a little bit. But not, you know, because they've, as they've, you know, sort of underwritten deals and become a little more conservative, although they're still doing plenty, plenty, plenty of deals. And yeah, so that's what, you know, that's what Fidelity is reporting there. I guess the last thing I'll address is sort of just confidence or sentiment or where I see and am hearing from not only my clients, but in the entrepreneurs organization community amongst the investment bankers, amongst the, uh, you know, people who provide financing, amongst entrepreneurs generally. And one of the beautiful things about this podcast is I've built so many relationships with amazing people when we do the guest interviews. I mean, we're, we're approaching our episode 250 and, you know, three out of every four of those is with a guest. So, you know, we've had whatever it is, 175, you know, probably with the ones I've recorded that I haven't released yet, close to 200 guests. So, you know, we get their input as well. The interesting part is I think I'm finding a lot of the folks in real estate on the commercial side, although... They tend to be optimistic overall. You know, there's been maybe more of a hit there overall. I feel like the folks on the corporate side are generally in a positive, optimistic mode. I mean, certainly when you speak to these serial acquirers, there's a sort of vested interest in saying, yeah, we're still doing deals. But in terms of sellers, I think because the numbers were so high in some of those areas, I think people are are starting to adjust to the fact that they may not get that top dollar, but there's still nice deals out there. And I think, although there's mixed signs on the economy, I don't, I don't think that things have been so horribly bad uh, across most sectors. A lot of entrepreneurs are generally optimistic, and I think that flows into the deal market. Maybe we we'll call it cautious optimism, right? They're watching out. And, you know, like in any market, there's folks that are really looking for opportunities because they see it here. And there are folks that are being more cautious. 
But th- those are some of the statistics that we've seen in the various articles. They, they pretty much track with what we've seen. But, you know, again, it's interesting. We mentioned AI, but there are other areas that, you know, that are still, you know, getting funding. We talked about during the pandemic, how logistics companies, how various tech companies, how a lot of healthcare companies, whatever, would did, you know, did very well. And not only in terms of, you know, organic growth, but also in terms of deals. So there's always opportunities out there. You know, I'm personally looking at some opportunities. I'm, I'm especially interested in, in some of my folks who are really focused on the real estate space to see, you know, whether they're, they're you know, because I think there's going to be some opportunities there. So, but it'll be interesting to see what the second half of the, of the year holds. I mean, you know, we've got some, like I said, this, the market, stock market seems to be, you know, getting a little stronger. The job markets, you know, remain strong. The Fed slowed their interest rate rises, although it seems to be a thought that they're going to do one or two more. So inflation has come down a significant amount. You know, so I'm also cautiously optimistic about about what's you know going on here. Uh, we saw personally, you know, at our firm, we were crazy busy the last couple of years. The first quarter, we had deals going on, but it was comparatively slower. Uh, but things picked up for us a lot in, in, in the second uh, quarter. We, we had a lot of new deals that came in. Now, I'm not saying that we are any kind of microcosm of the entire deal market, uh, you know, or even the financial services and tech space where we put, you know, play a lot. But, you know, but we've seen deals in those spaces continue. We got deals in, in, in with our clients in, in entertainment-related spaces, in uh, logistic-related spaces, in, in several other spaces beyond the, the financial services and tech world as well. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in this, in this second half of the year. I don't, you know, I don't think it's going to get blockbusters again like it was the last couple of years. But, you know, I do think it's going to be a solid year. And I think it's hopefully will be on an upswing from them, you know, pending there not being anything crazy that happens in the world. So, folks, that's the first half of the of the year or a general recap of where we are. You know, I think we are and where some of the folks are reporting in various of the areas of the, you know, some of the areas of the deal market. I would love when this episode posts for you to give me your thoughts, of what sectors you're in, what you're seeing. Certainly, I'm open to, you know, gathering some input from other folks in terms of what they're seeing. I just, I love to be up on the different markets and, you know, and happy to report on them if you give me some information that I that I haven't seen yet. So with that, I'm going to conclude this solo cast. Uh, and next week, check us out with uh, great upcoming guests for the next three. Take care. Thank you for joining me on this episode of DealQuest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. I want to invite you to a unique way to tap into the wisdom and experience of the DealQuest community. Join the DealQuest Deal Den Zoom calls, a free monthly 90-minute mastermind. In the mastermind, we address all the challenges you may be facing and help support you with the opportunities that may arise in terms of deal-driven growth. You will get input not only from me, but all the members on the call will collaborate and serve each other in a mastermind format. To sign up for the free mastermind, go to www.coreycupfer.com slash dealden. That's coreycupfer.com slash dealden. I'll see you there. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.